I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Wednesday. College football title odds. Alabama, even money. Clemson, two and a half to one. Ohio State, four and a half to one. Notre Dame, seven and a half to one. And then no one till Florida. It looks like, well, it looks like we got our four teams. If Florida can't beat Alabama, is that fair? We'll talk about it. Ravens win and cover against the Cowboys. This just in, Dallas is having a horrible season. Now 40 to 1 to win their division. 40 to 1. Big three games this week. We're going to be looking at Colts favored by two and a half versus the Raiders. Buffalo two and a half versus Pittsburgh. Kansas City a touchdown against the Dolphins. Here comes a four hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is straight out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. the Vegas Strip. Here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live on a Wednesday, live in Las Vegas, live on 225 FSR stations across this great nation. Got a full house around the wise guy round table. Steve Fezzik, the only two-time Super Contest champion. Matty Holt, former bookmaker. He booked billions, now integrity, U.S. integrity, stopping the bad guys. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans don't know more than their bodies. Now, we're the pros. He's the Joe in Los Angeles, Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got a Ravens victory over the Cowboys in the middle of the week to discuss. We've also got the NFL's three biggest games upcoming this weekend. What is the Vegas lead there on this Wednesday? I always find it most telling when Vegas has information that the rest of the world doesn't. The odds tell you the true story. And I think when it comes to the college football playoffs, the odds tell a heck of a story. Yeah, the college football playoff rankings released last night and no change in the top four. The college football playoff, we've got Alabama one, followed by Notre Dame at two. Clemson comes in at three and the Ohio State Buckeyes sitting at five and oh, but number four in the college football rankings. OK, we'll talk about the Buckeyes and that very just decision the Big Ten made. <laughs> but just but let's look at these odds for a second. Alabama even money. Think about that. When's the last time we've seen this, Fez? We've had some very good Alabama teams. Last week, we were telling the country right here, right after the committee spoke, we said, you know what? This Alabama team, by the computer rankings, better than any prior Saban team. A lot of people were like, what? Huh? Hmm? Huh? What? Well, right now, even money this early, relatively, Games, multiple games left to be played even before the playoffs. I haven't seen it. Yeah, just a couple hiccups for Alabama early in the year. The Missouri covering against them, and then the Ole Miss where their D struggled. So if, so if a D cover or if a team covers, that's a hiccup. They're supposed <laughs> to cover every game. <laughs> apparently so. Yeah. I don't know if you know. What do you, apparently so from whom? 
Well, just that Missouri put up 19 points against Alabama, but it it no, was I'm, an I'm asking you a question. What what is? Why are we making a distinction that Alabama didn't cover a game earlier? Just that they played so much better here down the stretch. Okay. But in general, no one covers every game, correct? Correct. Because like the Patriots, when they went undefeated, they had a losing record in the second half of that year because, and you were there booking it, Maddie. you're not going to make it easy as a bookmaker to win betting the really good team everyone's excited about. Correct, obviously. I mean, that's the point spread's always supposed to be the great equalizer. And at the end of the day, I mean, everyone's supposed to be 50-50 against the spread. In the long run? Yes. Except me as a batter. I, I mean, you're saying the teams, not yeah, the, the teams. <laughs> Fez, I'm going to give you another crack at this. So I'm going to kind of speak parenthetically to you and tell you what I'm really asking. Steve, they're even money. Steve, teams aren't often even money. Hmm, comment. Alabama is historically good, and we've seen it in their recent games, the fact that the, the betting market just hasn't caught but up What yet. about that Missouri game? That was a long time ago. Oh. Most recently, you look at it, it, it's all Alabama can do not to run up scores. They beat Kentucky by 60. They absolutely— You think uh, they're trying not to run them up? I think they're just playing their game. I and think, they're just so good, RJ, that it's. That his mic's good. off. His mic's three minute. He's in the red. He's in the penalty <laughs> box. All right, Maddie, how good do you think Alabama is? I, I, not only do I think they're historically good, but I think they're also the only team right now in the entire country who is a one hundred percent lock to make the CFP. If Clemson Ooh. loses a, another game to Notre Dame, they're definitely out. If Clemson buries Notre Dame, then you don't know. Yeah, but let me ask you: these odds kind of say otherwise, don't they? So if we got Alabama at even money, yeah, Clemson at two and a half to one. So the second favorite's the team with one loss. Ohio State at four and a half to one. Notre Dame at seven and a half to one. Then Florida at fifteen to one. Now Florida loses against Alabama. They're not going to get in. And then it's not till thirty-three to one Texas A&M. Isn't this telling us the not the fix is in, but it's done been decided that if Clemson, who's going to be a double-digit favorite, right? What would you say Clemson is going to be against Notre Dame? I think it's going to be just under double digits, like nine, eight and a half, nine. So they're supposed to win that game a significant majority of the time. If Clemson wins, Notre Dame is still in. That's what these odds are telling us. Wouldn't you agree with that? Unless it's like forty-seven to ten, and then, but but even if it's forty-seven to ten, who gets in? Texas A&M. Well, if Florida wins, they're in. Yes, and and then it gets complicated. And then it could complicate Notre Dame or Clemson. And it, yeah, because I think yes. Alabama stays in. If Correct. Alaba- that's what I mean. Alabama is the only team right now where there's no case where they're out. Oh, I understand. But, but what I'm saying is it will take a major upset for Clemson not to beat Notre Dame. It will take a major upset for Ohio State to lose. I mean, I've never seen this. I'm going to let Fez back in, see if he can redeem himself. I've never seen this before, that, that with weeks to go, I mean, we got yeah. multiple well, weeks. And not just championship games. Regular season games still prior to a championship game. With weeks to go, other than the Florida-Alabama, whereas Alabama's even money, Florida's 15-1. to 1. All right, so Florida could win. But what's the line going to be in that game, we think? I think it's going to be 10. All right, yep. so an unlikely win by Florida. So if they're out, it's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, no matter what happens, Notre Dame, in theory, against Clemson. And if Clemson wins, they're in. 
And the next, you might say, well, what happens if something happens? Who's in? Well, A&M's 33 to 1. Yeah. And then Cincinnati is 60 to 1. I've never seen other than the four best teams. And Cincinnati's out. And why do you think that? I think because now they're only going to have played eight games. The big advantage that we all talked about with Cincinnati early in the year is what happens if Cincinnati plays 13 games and Ohio State only plays five or six? Well, the Ohio State half of that equation came to fruition. They're only going to play six, including the Big Ten championship game, and the Big Ten even had to change their rules for that to happen. But with Cincinnati now at COVID cancellations is going to end their regular season 8-0, and that's not enough of a differentiator. But the team they canceled again or that was canceled, they're, they're likely to play or for sure going to play in the conference Well, final? Cincy cancels the game. It's the it Cincy was... COVID issues. Okay. But did it feel like it was a discretionary call, or did it feel like they, they didn't have a choice? I'm sure they wanted to play. Yeah, you would yeah. think so. Jonas, what was your main takeaways overall? And, you know, uh, dealer's choice on what you want to comment on with the college football playoffs. I think either way, the SEC or the ACC is going to get two teams in. I think I think one of those two conferences is going to get two teams in. It's either going to be Notre Dame and Clemson, or if Notre Dame gets blown out, then it's going to or Florida beats Alabama, then it's going to be Florida getting in. But I think one sure. of the I don't think I don't think both are going to happen. I think it's I think it's one or the other. Because okay. I think if Notre Dame loses to Clemson, I think Florida would get in over Notre Dame at that point. If Florida wins or loses? If Florida beats Alabama, oh, I, yeah. think, I think Alabama and Florida would both get in over Notre Dame if Notre Dame loses uh, to Clemson. I think it's fair to say if Alabama loses, they're in for sure. Mm-hmm. If Florida wins, they're in for sure. Yeah. And thus, if they're if Florida wins, that means there's two SEC teams, which means the Notre Dame, if they lose, don't get in. From a betting standpoint, right. do is, we agree with that? Yes. Okay. So let's just go over that one more time because I think it's really kind of just a couple if thens here. Yeah. Who wins Florida, Alabama? All right. Assuming it's Alabama, they're going to be favored. They're obviously in, but then Notre Dame, even if they lose, is in. Yes. Yes. If Florida beats Alabama, Alabama, Florida in, and then Notre Dame needs to win to be in, it feels like that's the only question. You guys are saying, well, if Notre Dame loses one more scenario. 40 to nothing, I'm saying that I don't even see in the odds where anyone's contemplating that. Go one ahead. more scenario is Notre Dame beats Clemson again, and then Texas A&M is live to sneak in. So, but what happens if, it's, if Florida beats Alabama? Well, uh, Alabama <laughs> is beating Florida, too, in this scenario. But what I'm saying is, who would get in then if Florida beats Alabama? Or, yeah, Alabama, and then Notre Dame wins. That's three, right? Yep. Ohio State's four, and A and M's uh, on the sideline. Yep. A and M. A and M needs Alabama to win and Notre Dame to win to yes. get in. All right. So say that one more time. If Texas A and M is going to get into mm-hmm. the playoff, they need Alabama to beat Florida. Right, so that eliminates Florida as a viable con- uh, participant. And Notre Dame to beat Clemson, which would which be their second Clemson. loss. Yes. And then so at that point, Ohio State would be the third team. Texas A and M would be four. So what you're saying is it's almost impossible. It's like in almost every scenario, <laughs> there's going to be two SEC teams. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of begs the question, we're straight out of Vegas, not in SEC country, but we're on 225 stations. We're not biased. I mean, I am an Ohio State grad, but I will say this. It doesn't 
makes sense to me that Cincy, I get that Cincy, maybe you could say the paths to, th- to them getting in decreased, but how in the heck does a two-loss team jump them? Iowa State jump them. Can anyone defend that? No, I think the committee in this case, um, you, you know, because Is of on what, the take. No, but because of what BYU is doing, anyone, anytime, anywhere, and Coastal Carolina setting up that game, and for Cincy to bow out and play eight games. Yeah, but it, it does. It might make it where if you have some discretion. Well, first of all, did they bow out, or was it were they for? Was their well, hands forced? forced? Yeah, their hands forced. So I mean, Ohio State's not, and, and let's be candid. I'm a grad, but Ohio State's not being penalized for their hands being forced at various times. No, in fact, the Big Ten's being accommodating, changing rules to accommodate, making sure Ohio State gets in. All right, here's what we'll do. Ta- let's take our first break. When we come back, I'm going to explain to you, a lot of you may think, oh, this is Ohio State bias. No, it has nothing. The Big Ten decision literally has nothing to do with any favoritism to Ohio State. I'll make the case in 60 seconds when we come back, and you won't be able to deny it. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the words, then the heavens gonna fall. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will continue to take a closer look at the Vegas effect on the college football playoffs. So, RJ, we've been talking about the latest edition of the college football playoff rankings. Not a change up top in the top four. We've got Alabama followed by Notre Dame, Clemson, and your Ohio State Buckeyes at number four. When you see, especially in a society where you can say, you know, oftentimes with women, it's hard, you know, there's mixed messages for them. Are they supposed to be this? Are they supposed to be that? How alpha, how aggressive are they supposed to be? Women I've met who've played Division One sports or even college sports, it's almost to a person, it's, it really seemed to be a great influence on them. And the Big Ten will make a lot more money collectively. Ohio State doesn't just keep this money. It gets split up in a significant way. And literally the Buckeyes, if they make the college football playoffs, it will probably save multiple sports programs in the Big Ten, and that's what the Big Ten was voting on. Maddie Holt, usintegrity.com, you guys have a, a ton of relationships and contracts with the college leagues and such. Would Give us a little context about uh, your understanding of how much financial pressure there is and anything on that topic. Well, obviously, there's a lot of financial pressure. I mean, most of these major collegiate football programs pack, you know, close to 100,000 fans into the stands. So that game day gate experience, the revenue from parking, from merchandise, from from F&B sales is, is astronomical and really critical to, um, you know, to the ability to maintain an athletic department budget. And we've it's not just the small schools. Stanford this year had cut a bunch of programs. It's major programs who are feeling the effect of this this hit. It's unfair to ask a conference to stick to an arbitrary rule that's going to hurt them. 
the college football playoffs, they're supposed to be agnostic. They're supposed to be no conference gets an advantage. And thus, if they're changing rules, then you can question it. But to me, it makes total sense what the Big Ten did. And let's be candid. We said it yesterday. Michigan, it feels like, and again, maybe there's been some breaking news I haven't seen, but it feels like, based upon the Associated Press reporter out of that area, that there were 16 positives and that come game day, there was a, it was viable that Michigan could have played. I'm not saying I know that for sure. I'm saying my sense is that's the case. Others are saying it too. I mean, I'm not a Harbaugh fan. He smells. But the fact is, if you're Michigan and you're considering keeping Harbaugh, and what I'm hearing is that Harbaugh's going to float himself out to the NFL and see what kind of offers he gets. I can't imagine him getting any. But let's say he gets one, he probably leaves. But if he doesn't get an offer he wants, now he's open to stay at Michigan. Where's Michigan going from here? What's Michigan's next coach? As much as Harbaugh's been a disappointment, it's hard to imagine letting him go now would help that program, right? You're admitting a major defeat, and all. But how's that recruiting going to go this year for Michigan? Not well at all. So I think Michigan is trying to protect themselves because if they get beat six, or if they would have gotten beat sixty-six to nothing. Or some variation. And they would have been a 30-point underdog. 30-point underdog. I think it got down to 28. But, yeah, right in that range for sure. Massive underdog. It's, and, listen, you think the Buckeyes weren't going to run it up if they had a chance? That could put a stink on that Michigan program that is never forgotten. Think back if you're old enough when Miami down in Texas. Who were they? Was, were they playing Texas in that Cotton Bowl? And there was a famous time where they, they won like 35 nothing. They're, they're shooting the six shooters <laughs> off in the end zone. And I mean, it, it, it left a mark for a you know, decade plus. I think Michigan maybe was smart if they tried to avoid that. But boy, it's not particularly honorable. Jonas, you were pretty strong saying this would be a horrible look for Michigan if they did uh, skirt the game. Twenty-four hours later, what do you think? Uh, what do you think the situation really was? If they have the ability to play, I don't know what the situation is because the reports are conflicting. I, I've seen different numbers as far as what is you know just uh, close contact and what is this and whether guys will be available. But if they if they could have played this game and they just chose not to uh, to quote Kirk Herbstreet and just threw in the white flag or the white towel and just said, hey, you know we're not going to play this year and they want to avoid embarrassment. I think that's a terrible look. I think it's an awful look. Miami in the 1991 Cotton Bowl, 46. Miami, Texas, three. Look it up on YouTube. I mean, I, I can't remember. I remember a bowl game from 30 years ago, but it was memorable. Any closing thoughts on the Buckeyes or Michigan? I got one quick one, real quick. He smells. <laughs> Anything? I have heard that there's a lot of interest in uh, Iowa State's Matt Campbell. To, if Harbaugh was to leave, and uh, whether or not that's a good fit is debatable. Campbell's done an admirable job. Down no here doubt. In State. I'm of the theory the guys that can take a team that should be 500 and make them eight and four. Those kind of guys rarely ever are bet. They just don't typically have the charisma you need to be. I mean, think about it. Have we seen a situation where a coach who became a great coach 
you know, Nick Saban, let's say, and go down the list, right? Dabo, uh, Urban Meyer, has a great coach, Pete Carroll in college, came from that kind of, you know, hey, we're going to make this 6-6 six and six team, 8-4. and four. There's just something about, like, an Urban Meyer when he's at Utah. The, the charisma just jumps off the page. I don't feel like that a guy like – now, would he be serviceable? No doubt. I just don't think he has the charisma to take him over the top. So, as a Buckeye fan, I endorse it. Would you think otherwise? Yeah, at the end of the day, I don't know that they're – I know it's Michigan, so the expectations are always that you should be competing for Big Ten and national titles, but maybe they need to change their expectations a bit now, <laughs> and it's, they should just be competing to try to get back to winning 10 games or nine games. That's Matty Holt. That reminds me of what Colin has said about teams like Michigan, like Nebraska for quite a while. And it brings me up to what I think Colin just missed the boat on. And we pride ourselves, no sacred cow or cow herds here. And Colin's a friend, but hey, I disagree with him when we're on the pod together every week. So I'm going to disagree with him. He, after BYU lost to Coastal Carolina, they were stopped at the goal line. At the end of the game, 10-point favorites, BYU, Coastal Carolina won. Colin said something like, oh, yeah, everyone that thought BYU had any chance, they got beat by something called Coastal Carolina. That, to me, is the danger of what BYU did. Because if BYU would have went and played, I don't know, let's say um, Oregon on short notice— Everyone would have celebrated it. And if they would have lost at the goal line, they would have said, great game, close game. Mm-hmm. Three days notice. Way, yeah, they'd be cheering. Crowd would be going wild. <laughs> Except, and this is just an absolute fact, in the computer power rankings, Coastal Carolina is better than Oregon, better than Texas. So literally better than USC. Right now, Coastal Carolina, and this is the blended – Rankings of football outsiders, they use the ESPN, FEI Plus, and their own. Here's the favorite, here's the top teams Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. Sounds good, right? I'm going to skip number four Notre Dame, five, Florida, Wisconsin, Georgia, Oklahoma. Sounds right, right? Okay. Number four on that list, BYU. After losing the game, the computers say BYU's the fourth best team. And oh, by the way, the 10th team, I stopped at nine, Coastal Carolina. So right now, Coastal Carolina number 10, BYU number four. And you know what? I don't know if that's right. I promise you no one else knows any better than these computers do. Because these days, these computers are mighty good. And I'm not saying they're not going to be wrong by a slot or two or three. They're not way wrong. They're just not way wrong. And if you ask a thousand people how good Coastal Carolina is, I don't know. One percent is going to say top ten. But that's who BYU on three days' notice played at their venue and almost won. But we're going to make that an indictment of BYU. What does that do? It 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 incentivizes a BYU not to do what they did, to not take a chance. And to me, one of the great things that the NCAA basketball has done is remember back with Cheney and, and, and Temple where he would play such a tough schedule at Temple that sometimes they'd be you know 13 losses sometimes, 17 and 13, and get right in that tournament. 
And you know what? Temple, they had the matchup zone, but they also did very well in the tournament because they were battle-tested. And to me, the whole Mayweather, let's avoid that. You know, Mayweather was a great boxer, but if you ask any old-timer, who's better, Duran or Mayweather? It's Duran. Sugar Ray or May, you know, Leonard or Mayweather? Sugar Ray Leonard. And they all have three, four, five losses each because they all fought each other. When you fight Hagler and Hearns and Duran and Leonard, you're going to lose some. Now, listen, Mayweather fought a lot of fights, but he fought them at the right time. He was a genius at that. In college football, don't we want to incentivize the teams to play as tough a schedule as possible? Yes. Yes. Any thoughts as the fan, Jonas? Yeah, and, and to your point on the Mayweather stuff, it's why so many people, even though they he lost to him, still think Pacquiao's had a better career than Mayweather because he fought everybody. And he's got multiple losses, but his— Well, he didn't he, fight Mayweather until years late. And, and it was years late, but he fought everybody. So there's a lot of people who have Pacquiao on their pound-for-pound pound list higher than Mayweather. And I also think that— it, it, it's similar to use another analogy. BYU took this game on short notice. If a guy takes a fight on a short notice and loses a championship fight on a short notice, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt of, oh, well, you know, you cut him some slack here. Oftentimes those guys maybe never get an opportunity to, to one of those chances again. So they went there, they took their chance, they came up short. It was a competitive game. They were roughing up their quarterback early uh, in that game, and it just didn't go their way. But, you know, th this is the problem when you have the human element. There's a bias that goes into it, and people are just going to fall back on the bias. I know we were anticipating the odds a little bit earlier on Alabama, Florida, and Clemson, Notre Dame, but they're actually up at several regulated sports books across America now. I just looked, and they actually do have them f available for wagering right now. Clemson, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against Notre Dame. Ooh. Alabama, minus 14 against Florida. Wow. And that's available for wagering right now. Even when they didn't cover against Missouri, Alabama. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I know. How did they do that? I don't that? even understand. They it. let them score, what, 16? What was it, 16? <laughs> it was a blemish. <laughs> Steve Fezzik, everyone. More, more applause. <laughs> Jonas is right. The takeaway from BYU should be, boy, they had some guts to play that game. And, man, Coastal Carolina, I want to see them against the Georgia. I want to see them. But you know what would happen? Oh, if Coastal Carolina wins, Georgia didn't care. No motivation. No motivation. How about this? Let's make it where they feel humiliated if they lose, and let's see some freaking motivation. Because I think these – hey, I can't remember who was saying it, but – Upsets happen everywhere. Like, one of the great things about the NFL, let's think back to the great games of the last 20 years. I think one of the great games of the last 20 years was Week 17, Patriots-Giants. Undefeated 15-0 Pats come in. You might remember it was on the NFL Network only. Yeah. Senators got involved, and they forced them to put it on two different networks at the same time, and it was down to the wire, 16-0, and baby. And lo and behold, I make the case, and many do, the Giants would have never won the Super Bowl if they didn't play them so tough that game. But we're not even giving Coastal Carolina or BYU a chance. And even if we do, there's excuses built in. It's hurting the sport. People don't want to see a two-loss Iowa State jump Cincy. We want to see how Cincy does against the big boys. And that's what makes UFC so interesting. I'm not a big UFC fan, but I always liked in the early days 
when there'd be jujitsu versus kickboxing. It was like, who, who would win in an alley fight kind of thing? Well, we find out jujitsu is the key, but I like the idea of an option team or a team that just runs the heck out of the ball playing an Alabama. Now, listen, Alabama's going to win most of the time, but you know what? Duke wins most of the time in college basketball, but we still like those games. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, R.J. Bell. A lot of people would say Colt McCoy just sprung the upset. Fez, who do you think, what's your adjustment for Mr. Daniel Jones being back likely? Two and a half point upgrade. Maddie, I would say, yeah, one and a half upgrade. I agree. If you look at the stats, Colt McCoy, they won the game, did not play well. When we come back, the three biggest games of the NFL week, the first Vegas look. That's coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. RJ Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. So, RJ, it is a Wednesday tradition here on Straight Out of Vegas. We take a look at the three biggest games in the NFL each week. And we're going to start with the Chiefs and the Dolphins. We're right now on pregame.com. Kansas City is a seven and a half point favorite. The great Chiefs, no matter what they do, it's proof of their greatness. When they win handily, they're great. When they just barely win, they're great. Because they can play bad and still barely win. I don't know if you get my sarcasm or not. <laughs> Fez, you got them number one. I agree with you. They're not number one at the distance, I think some people think. How much distance you got between one and two right now? Three points. Wow. But remember now, if we go back in time, we got some tape on it. Let's listen. Here's Fez. I've never, ever had such a difference between my first team and my second team and the rest. This is historic. You remember that? Yeah, Baltimore Ravens right there with KC. Yeah, so now somehow your Ravens are where now in your rankings? Number eight. Number eight, but still KC. They're historically good, right? Historically (laughs) good. Have they they not covered any games? Like Alabama? (laughs) Yeah, just against Denver, they sleepwalk to a six-point win. Yeah. But that shows their greatness, doesn't it? So how, explain to me how they would get downgraded. Because when they got beat by the Raiders, it was no big deal. They didn't try. So explain to me how the, the Chiefs get downgraded. I, I have to say that— I, it, How do the Chiefs get downgraded? Please answer the question. When they play a game that they need to win and they play poorly. So they didn't need to win against the Raiders? The they first need, game? They needed to win. And then the second game, the fact they needed a draft. The fact that was a uh, – literally, if it was any game this year, you would think that KC would be focused. Wouldn't it be the second Raiders game? Absolutely. And how'd they do? They won in the final minutes. How'd they perform up to expectation? They did not. Did they play like the best team in the NFL? No, they played – So with- you're saying in the the highest motivation spot, they, they, they underperformed? Yes. 
So how much did you downgrade them? I mean, wh- I'm confused how they get downgraded. They, they, you just that, gave me scenarios, and I just gave you two. They got downgraded half a point. Oh, yes, the, the half a point. Matt, where do you got Kansas City? Well, Kansas City's clearly number one. How how much, though? I, I don't know that it's any, uh, and I don't like to use the word historic, but what is interesting about this Kansas City team, number one or number two in almost every major offensive category, points a game, yards a game, points per play, yards per play, etc., all the way down till we get to red zone scoring touchdown percentage. How many, what's your percentage of touchdowns in the red zone? Then they're 24th, and I think that plays into the fact a little bit that this team is the most dynamic team in football, but when they get down there, they don't have this whole field to work with. Mm. They're not always efficient. That's interesting. You think with a good tight end, they'd be good in the red zone. You know who is first or second in every major category on defense? The Pittsburgh Steelers. You know who else? The Saints. Saints and Pittsburgh are 1-2 in almost every category. But Steve, they're not even competitive, are they? I mean, how's the Saints doing? They're covering a lot of games, aren't they? They have their defenses playing but, out but of their not, minds. But they don't have Patty Mahomes, my homeboy, or whatever. Well, when they get Breeze back, they're only going to be one point below. Uh-oh, maybe. But they better not lose a game, because then look out below. Jonas, how, how how much better do you think Casey is than the, the other good teams? Uh, I think they're significantly better. Well, I don't know what significantly would be, but I think they're clearly better. I just – they're hard to really figure out sometimes because it does look like they're coasting. And and I'm glad Maddie brought well, up the – maybe they're not coasting. Maybe that's their level. And, and it could be the case because I'm glad Maddie brought it up because if you actually watched the Sunday night game, you saw them constantly down in the red zone and Denver kept forcing them to kick field goals. And I think Butker had four field goals there. And so I don't know if that's something – I don't know if there's a stat in, in which you can say, well, usually Super Bowl teams are good in the red zone. But if this is going to continue to be an issue, they're going to need to score some more points than that once they get to the postseason. I'm going to say for the first time, Clippers, Chiefs. Clippers, Chiefs. Think about it. (laughs) Game two. RJ, we go to your backyard, Las Vegas, where the Raiders are hosting the Indianapolis Colts right now on pregame.com. India, two and a half point favorite. I'm going to make a point here on the Colts. Colts and Maddie, you were talking about this during the break, but I'm going to put another spin on it. The offense in the last four games is number five in the NFL expected points. Colts offense number five. They were 15 or are 15 for the season, number five lately. But if you look at the Colts defense, their defense is actually number 31 in the last four weeks. So this is a team that for the season, their offense is 15, their defense is 14. So they're smack in the middle of both. They've gone way up in offense and way down in defense. I don't think people see that. I think it's a big deal. To me, the story is left tackle Anthony Costanzo. When he first went out, all everyone talked about was how will this offense operate without Costanzo? Who's going to protect Phillip Rivers' blindside? But to your point, their offense has gotten better with Costanzo out. Fez, I think that this line, if you like the Raiders here, I think you bet it now. I think this line goes down. What do you think? Line move. I'm not so sure about that because of the injury that the Raiders have. Gruden says he does not expect expect Josh Jacobs to play their uh, talented running back. He does not expect him to play. That's big. All right, number three in our three biggest games here on Straight Out of Vegas goes to Sunday Night Football. It's the Steelers at the Bills. Buffalo, a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. 
But let's not forget, Pittsburgh is still on short rest. They still haven't had a true bye, and they're going to be on a difficult spot here, Monday to Sunday. So how many times in a row do you play on short rest? I think it's unfair. I agree. Third game in 11 days. And and they were tired before that. Exactly. We saw the money come against them against Washington. It's happening again. This game open. Pick them. Buffalo lane two and a half now. 30 seconds, Matt. You love the Bills in general. Absolutely. And this happened to the Bills earlier, and everybody jumped off their bandwagon. But now that they're back on regular rest, they're rolling. Pittsburgh having to deal with the same issue the Bills did earlier in the year. Mm, The Bills was one game, though. And I'll say one last thing about the Bills. A lot of people are questioning how good they are or at least Josh Allen is, because they had a stretch there against the Jets and stuff. He wasn't scoring that much. It was three bad weather games. So there was a COVID disruption and three bad weather games. If you take out that middle, Josh Allen has had an amazing season. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. It includes a look at the Vegas odds of the college football playoff, plus an early preview of the three biggest games in the NFL. Just search straight out of Vegas when you go look for podcasts. We are straight out of Vegas. We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! 